inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. Hello and welcome to another episode of Outlook here on Radio Western and also available as a podcast. Just for some context, we're currently recording this on Monday, January the 11th of 2021. This actually won't be airing until the 1st of February of 2021 because we just, at the beginning of the year, Carrie, the producer here, got right on board and booked a whole bunch of great guests. So it's <laughs> It's better to have this all uh, all booked up, but at the same time, sometimes things get postponed a bit. So, uh, yeah, I got uh, Carrie connected here over Zoom. Hello. Good morning. Thanks for listening to Outlook on Radio Western this morning. And, yeah, I guess um, we're trying out Zoom here with our first, well, I, I don't know if we've had two guests at the same time on before, but um, I'm think excited just once, to have these two. Just once before yeah. when we did the phone interview in the studio last year, we had uh, two guests on from Alberta at the same time but generally yeah it's just an interview with one person so it's kind of nice to to switch it up and have uh more more people on the call on the show yeah so i guess let's get into this uh i'm excited about this one lots to talk about (laughs) um our guests today are podcasters as well and they have a show called talk description to me and uh it's it's getting um getting some traction out there. I've seen it around and I think people are enjoying the premise. And so um, it's exciting to talk to you, you guys. So hi, um, thanks for coming. Today here we have the, the hosts of Talk Description to Me, Christine Malik and JJ Hunt. Is that correct? Hello. It yes. is indeed. Thanks for having us on. And hi. you both are calling in from Toronto. Is that right? Yes. That's right. That's right. We're both from Big Bad Toronto. Don't hate us. We're really nice. <laughs> I actually, I lived in Toronto for a few years, uh, back in from 2008 to 2012 or so. So, oh, know. and you escaped. Yeah, <laughs> probably a good move. It, it, it was a bit of both. I mean, I, I did love the music scene there, being able to go to so many shows and stuff. But at the same time, when I moved to London, it was kind of like a little bit refreshing just to have a bit more peace. But, uh, oh yeah. Well, you. no one's got choices these days, so, you know, it's all... That's right. We are where we are, and <laughs> yeah. we're staying here for a while. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, but on the, on the other hand, it's good. People are um, more freed up to do things like this, so that's great. Yeah, happy to be able to connect. I mean, it's a blessing to have things like uh, like Zoom to be able to connect. I mean, I'm sure a lot of us have Zoom fatigue, but uh, still, mm-hmm. to be able to, to connect like this is... Uh, if you're going to get locked down, you might as well have uh, have connection tools like this, right? For sure. Well, let's get into it and find out a bit more about our guests here. Uh, I guess maybe, Christine, we'll start with you. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about yourself, where you grew up? and um, A little bit about your, your blindness, and maybe um, yeah. if you were born blind or if not, when you did go blind. Um, so just a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I grew up in Mississauga, so I'm fully uh, enabled to make fun of the suburbs, as I like to say. Um, I was almost totally blind when I was born. So I have a bit of visual memory, but no color and and not too much detail. Um, 
I've, I've always been a, a very curious person and I've always kind of wondered, had questions around the edges of things. And so I grew up asking lots of questions and I was lucky to live in a family who uh, gave lots of answers. And so I feel like that quality has really um, come more to the forefront in my professional life lately. So um, uh, I'm a classic gig worker at the moment. I I run some program cultural programs for blind adults through the CNIB Foundation. I host okay. a segment monthly on AMI. Um, I do some consulting gigs with audio describers. Um, I'm a musician myself, so I have a, a Patreon page where I uh, scrape up a, a little bit of much appreciated monthly monthly cash for my music work, and then um, the the podcast with JJ is something that has come up uh, during the pandemic, and so that's where my curiosity uh, really gets to to have free reign. Yeah, and like we've talked about, and we wanted to highlight today with the subject of audio description a lot of it can come down to your visual memory. And if you have any, any at all, where, where Brian, when Brian was born um, only seeing light and dark and shadows, and that's never changed for Brian, but I grew up um, low vision. And I, I remember seeing a lot when I, when I had all that sight and it seems like I was, I had perfect sight when I look back on it now, even though I, I didn't, but it's a challenging one for, for us doing the podcast because mm -hmm. my questions come from the perspective of someone with essentially no visual memory. And so my questions come from a place of total uh, blindness. So I never, I've never seen a tornado, even a normal tornado, much less a fire tornado. So when I ask <laughs> questions, it's from the perspective of someone with no vision. And yet uh, a lot of our listeners are people who had sight and have lost it. And so um, we try to keep that perspective in mind as well. When JJ's describing things, he will talk about color or the, the subtleties of things that it doesn't occur to me to ask about because because uh, because I never saw them. Yeah, it's interesting that you uh, you point that out because listening to the podcast, I was trying to figure out if I could tell if you had previous sight before at all or if you were kind of born pretty much totally blind for the most part like I was. Um, and I was trying to, trying to figure that out because for me, I mean, it's not... I don't want to make it sound like I'm not interested in, in a lot of this, a lot of things in this podcast. What really, things look like? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> This podcast has been really interesting, the, the episodes that I've heard, the, the handful of episodes I've already heard. Um, but at the same point, I find on my daily life, I don't really think about these things very much. And I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm not curious, but I just feel like never having that visual part for me just kind of doesn't really make me think about these things that much. Um, but that also is, could just be a personality thing. I'm so focused no, on I've... audio and music, whereas maybe, <laughs> I don't know, you're more of a curious No, I feel, I feel that as well. So, for example, when conversations turn to, to, to color, and I know some of our listeners really want to know about that, even totally blind listeners, they've said, you know, could you do an episode on color? And what is blue like? Or what is red like? And to be honest, I don't really care. I'm not it just doesn't spark my interest to talk about those things. And yet, even someone who's totally blind is is curious about it. So it's 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 a good distinction that it's not only your level of vision that will determine what you're interested in. It's it's just your personality as well. For sure. And with color, color is something that has there are cultural connotations as well. Yeah. So even even if the uh, you know what color of, of someone is wearing in a fashion sense doesn't mean anything to you. Knowing that, for example, Kamala Harris wore a white pantsuit uh, to uh, accept the nomination uh, for vice president, that was a 
political choice. That was a, the white pantsuit had cultural connotations that links her to the suffragette movement. And, and so the color is important to know, even if it's not something that, that, that visually matters to you, the cultural implications of that color can be important. Someone wears bright red to a funeral in North America, that that means something, right? So having those discussions, bringing those visuals into the conversation can still be important, uh, even for, for people who don't uh, interpret the world that way. Yeah, I mean, I've tried to de- I've tried to describe colors to you, Bri, before. I'm not sure if you remember. Uh, and you it didn't just- care. <laughs> no, yeah, I probably zoned out a little bit, but I... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely see the cultural the cultural part of it and and um, just having that knowledge as to what colors represent, even if you it is hard to explain colors. And I don't know if you've JJ as being the describer there, if you've tried to describe colors, I know it's one of those age old questions. It, that's a, Yeah, it's a really challenge. We haven't done an episode on it yet. We, we might. Um, I, I've had the. Like trying to describe colors in terms of how they feel, uh, you know, what's warm, what's cold. I, I especially on, on on talk description to me. I do my best when when colors come into it to try and use other descriptors, like like making sure you're saying it's an icy blue or it's a really warm yellow or golden is better than yellow. You know what I mean? Like trying to trying to get a little bit of flavor in with the color, so that even if that color doesn't mean anything, the flavor of it still gets across. And that's something we can do in this podcast that you can't do with traditional audio description. If you're describing a TV show and someone comes, you know, wears a red hat, there's no time to say a fiery red hat with, you know, it just doesn't, there's, there's generally not that kind of uh, opportunity. So on this show, we have it and we try and take advantage of that whenever we can. Yeah. I mean, I'm reading a book right now called On Color and uh, at times it's kind of hard for me because I do still miss colors. So mm-hmm. it, there's definite differences between, like, yeah, like you said, your listeners, uh, the different levels of, of sight loss or blindness. And so color matters to some people and it doesn't matter at all to some, like you can see with Brian here. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot, there are lots of instances like that where, you know, as a describer, I have to be speaking to everyone in the audience, right? I have mm-hmm. to be speaking to people who uh, have never had, who, as, as Christine says, has no have no sight memory, um, no visual memory, have uh, to, to people who have full sight. Like a, a lot of our audience uh, are, are people who are, are fully sighted and they are looking for a different take on things or maybe they've got friends or family um, who are blind or low vision and so they're listening to the podcast as a way to connect with them and and to improve their description skills so all of those people need to be addressed when christine and i are having our conversations so it's a it's a real challenge for color but for uh, you know cultural references as well you know i'm I remember describing someone as wearing aviator sunglasses and Christine was like, wow, cool. What are aviator sunglasses? <laughs> Doesn't mean anything to me. It's like, okay, let's back up and let's, and, and, and let's talk about that. Yeah. I think that's yeah. great. Cause that brings up, that brings up more discussion and it does it, it by, by attaching some other words to the color to describe it a little bit more deeply. That way it's not just a word someone's remembering it's they're associating it with more things. And that can definitely make it a little bit easier to maybe not quite understand what a color is, but at least be able to relate it to um, its context. And well, there's a right. broader sort of um, cultural angle too. So I'm thinking of the episode where uh 
JJ described Joe Biden and his aviator sunglasses. And I was like, oh, okay. I I get what they look like. I get he's using them for some purpose. But what is the purpose? Like, okay, when you see them, what's the what's the vibe? What's the aesthetic? Why those sunglasses? Yeah. What what tone or what qualities is he conveying by those particular choice? And so I'm often asking JJ, what's your response to this thing that you've just described? And for me as a non-sighted person, that's as relevant as, as because I can hear about what they look like and I maybe could pick them out of a pile of sunglasses by the description, but I don't know what they convey culturally by looking at them as a consumer. That's right. And now as soon as a listener has the description of what the sunglasses look like, they've got a name associated with them, and then we pepper in some of the context. Well, it's a key, right? That's a, that, that piece of information is a key. A sighted person who has lived in, a, a, you know, in Canada or the U.S. for most of their lives, if they see aviator sunglasses, they don't have to think about it. They're immediately subconsciously going to know half a dozen things about them. They're going to remember Tom Cruise in Risky Business or, or, or Tom Cruise in Top Gun. Or maybe they'll have cultural understanding of how aviator sunglasses came to be for pilots. And they were, it was a real cool vibe to them. But there's also kind of an 80s thing going on. And now it's a boomer thing. And so someone who's sighted might get all of that in an instant, in an absolute instant. And so to provide that cultural information, now, anytime in the future Christine hears about aviator sunglasses, she's got that too. So she's got all of that now, you know, logged somewhere in the back of her mind. It might not be the most uh, interesting piece of information she's ever heard, might not be forefront, but it's there. And so that can be drawn upon uh, not only in the description of Joe Biden, but hopefully for years to come. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's all great stuff. Um, let's actually find out a bit about you, JJ. Um, you want to tell us a bit about um, your life growing sure. up yeah, yeah, yeah. context? Yeah, so I'm a, a Toronto describer, a Toronto born and raised, uh, and I kind of got into the audio description world through uh, theater and voice work, uh, and uh, and then from there I wasn't finding the 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 world of trying to get voice gigs particularly appealing, um, and I was uh, and I kind of stumbled into the audio description narration side of things, and then from there started to write audio description, and then I got to describe uh, and narrate descriptions for museums and galleries, and then from there I got to do live events like the Pride Parade and the Pan Am Games, and uh, and then started to do live tours as well, and you know it was around that time that Christine and I met. And, uh, and when it came time to, uh, you know, we, we were having conversations, constantly having conversations about, you know, these types of things in our own personal lives, we were having conversations that are not unlike the conversations we have on the show. And, uh, we were thinking about 2020 and all of the wild visuals and protests and social media photos and videos and, uh, all of these things, and, and and we thought that there was a there were there were missing pieces for people who are blind and low vision. Uh, there there were pieces of the news cycle, social media, and just the visuals of the world around us that weren't being described. They were falling through the cracks. So you know, we said, let's try this show. Uh, let let let's see what we can do with it. And uh, so far, so good. It's it's really been quite fantastic. 
I was going to say, you do, you do have a natural uh, flow between you two that you can tell. So I was wondering if you'd maybe like known, your, each, known each other for years or, 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 you know, if it sort of developed quickly. Yeah, maybe five or six years, JJ. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Yeah, I've, you know, playing goalball together, uh, <laughs> going for drinks afterward. Okay, I and... don't play goalball just to say. I just need to say that I would go to support my friends as they got heavy objects thrown at their heads. But Neither of us have play. played goalball either. Actually. Yeah, it's one of those things it's... I've thought about, but I've never really don't pursued do it. it but... <laughs> oh, it's it's wild. I described goalball at the Parapan and Games when they were in Toronto, and that's that was the first I'd ever heard of it. And I was like, this is this is fascinating. I got to try this. So I looked it up and there was a, a group in Toronto playing. And uh, so I strapped on some knee pads and, uh, and got down there. Slid and around where... on the grimy gym floor <laughs> and let people throw stuff, things at you. Yeah. What a blast. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Not my thing. I went not, to support not, my not friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was never a fan of gym getting balls thrown around and I got to hit the head. Dodgeball, right? Yeah. Like, who wants to evoke yeah. those memories? No, That's right. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but that is where we met and uh we it turned out that I when I was working um more full time at the CNIB I had the opportunity to sort of curate some cultural programs and I had been uh I attended a few of JJ's live described walks which were phenomenal so I I tried to find ways uh for CNIB to pay him to do other fabulous things and that's uh that's part of how we got to know each other as well. Yeah. yeah, I got to say, I heard you, JJ, uh, do the ghost walk uh, back at Halloween there. Oh, I was at yeah, that event. yeah. Oh, were you, were you at that one? I was. I, I kind of stay a little bit quiet to the side, but I've, I've always been fascinated by um, ghost tours. I went to one in Niagara on the lake. I've been to one in Ottawa. Uh, I just think it's fascinating, ghosts, uh, oh, stories, yeah. history, and... Yeah, I love ghost walks. I always have. I, I, I've gone on a bunch of them myself when, when I'm traveling, and... Uh, you know, I, I was doing at that point uh, a lot of walks with um, uh, the visionaries, uh, the Toronto visionaries. And uh, and I said to them after one walk, we were at the pub afterwards, uh, after a walk. And I said, you know what I'd love to do next? I said, you know, those ghost walks. Do you think we could maybe try and do one of those? And they were like, absolutely, go for it. They were really open to it. So I, I took Toronto ghost stories, ones that I knew, ones that I'd researched, and then just kind of tweaked them and tailored them a little bit. And, you know, as you know, I tried to, you know, pull in um, different sensory experiences, uh, different, uh, you know, tactile uh, elements to the buildings that we were visiting and, and bring in sound clips whenever I could. I just had a ball. I loved that one. Now, now, Carrie, were you at the, I did the, I did that walk two days in a row. And at one of them, we almost got hit by a car. Um, were you at that one or were you at the, at the one that was totally safe and uh, there was no vehicular incident? I was at the one this past Halloween. It was just, uh, <clears throat> it was over Zoom. And you, Oh, you were at that one. Yeah, I wasn't at, I, I wasn't in like pre-COVID or anything. Ah, uh, yeah. So I did them live a few years ago mm-hmm. uh, and then re- then recorded it as a podcast. And then, yes, uh, at the, the CNIB this year had me do a live Zoom version of it as well. So that's been uh, uh, that content that <laughs> those ghost stories have, uh, uh, have served me well. I've been able to draw on them over and over again. And, uh, you know, I can also frighten my kids with them, which is also very, you know, <laughs> that's very useful. It's good too. 
Yeah, so I was just going to ask JJ, so you talked a little bit about um, getting into description uh, growing up and, and how that interested you, but if you could maybe talk just a little bit more about that, and I'd like to ask our guests, did you know of, um, as you were cited, did you know of blind people at all growing up? Were you close to any? I know I know description in general is a, it's a skill, and it's one of those things where some people yeah. are just naturally kind of better at it than others. Our brother was always really good at describing movies to us. Um, growing up, I was just kind of curious what sort of experience you had that really led you into this field. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, uh, I know a lot of my colleagues uh, have gotten into description or and really accessibility in general because they have a personal connection to it. There's a family member, a friend who uh, is blind, low vision, in a wheelchair, whatever it is, and that's how they get into accessibility. Uh, for me, it actually wasn't that at all. It was the it was the theater, and so when I when I was working with my voice and trying to to you know narrate things and be a voiceover performer, and then saw this ad, this posting for um, narrating audio description. It was the first time I'd ever heard of it. I didn't even know it existed. This was almost twenty years ago, so it wasn't on every TV station. There was no logo for it, per se. Um, and so I got into it that way. And what I found was because I had I, I had been in university for theater and I had done, I, I was a, a, a theater director at the time, I found that I had uh, a, an understanding of story that really helped prioritizing. And that's a huge thing for description is prioritizing. Because not only do you need to know how to describe things, you need to know what to describe and, and, and what you can get away with uh, not describing. And so that was my in. And that's how I moved from the voice side of things to the writing side of things, because I was able to say, these are the elements in the scene that have to be described so that the next scene makes sense. And, and that was how I got into it. I actually really didn't have any blind or low vision friends or family members um, uh, really until not actually well into uh, my career as a describer. It wasn't until I started uh, doing live events that I, I kind of fell into the community. And and have adored it. It's made, I mean, it's made my life better. It's made my work better. Uh, and it's, it's a far more interesting way to do it. Uh, to be a describer is to have, uh, have friends and colleagues who are blind and low vision. Frankly, it's a, it's a shame that it's a, that it's a challenge to get to that stage because it, it makes everyone who works in description uh, better at their jobs uh, to be doing it collaboratively with people who are blind and low vision. Yeah, and um, as a writer, I agree with you about knowing story, which that really helps. Um, and I, I'm fascinated by audio description, and of, of course, accessibility is one of my main, um, you know, <laughs> missions in life these days. But um, yeah. I was, you know, I'm even, I would even like to get into it somehow, but I'm not even sure where to start. So that's why it's fascinating to talk to people who are doing this. Well, Christine's been doing some. Um uh, some consultation for description, uh, and, and there, and the narrating side of things is a, is a, a, another opportunity for blind and low vision description users to become description creators and the audio side of it as well. There are lots of audio techs and recording engineers, uh, and, uh, who are involved in audio description and 
the, the nice thing is now those folks have been in the game long enough. They've been in the business long enough. Now they're in a position to take management roles. And that's when things really kick into high gear, right? When you've got people who are blind and low vision at working in every stage of the process. Uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Have you enjoyed that, Chris? We haven't talked a lot about your, the consultation and your, uh, have you been enjoying that? I have. I love the opportunity to be a consultant when someone has written audio description and then wants to run it by uh, a member of the community. And of course I'm just one person, but, um, because of course we all all audio description users listen to something and think oh that's rather poorly worded or mm-hmm. i don't understand what that actually means and so to to sit with an audio describer have them read something and then have me say i don't know what that means can we clarify and then they describe in more detail what what the the visuals are and then i say oh well what if we said it this way and it i felt like god it was amazing the first few times we did it so it's it's a really interesting experience and the narration part is if you've done any voiceover work it's it's basically just voiceover so there's in yeah uh, jj's completely right there's and there's some particular describers who are very innovative and um dynamic and just interested in pushing the boundaries and so there's some there's some fascinating work going on in that in that area I think that's also mm. incredible. And it's, I mean, I hope this keeps happening more and more where there's both blind people and sighted people involved in the process. And it's like you say, like even something, this is the classic example I was I was used to use was in a movie or a show, you'd hear a door shut and they'd be like, they just closed the door or something like that where it's so obvious already. And it's like, you know, spending the, that time, the, the limited time you do have to describe when a movie's going on is trying to find the most essential information and what, how you could describe things best. And I just... Yeah, I think that uh, whole relationship. Yeah, class. That is a classic example because it's true. I feel like every time I'm watching something audio described and there's no speech at all, I'm sort of twitchy because I'm like, okay, there's space there. You could be telling us, you know, something that that's visually in the scene. And so I, I feel that impatience. I don't know if impatience is the right word, but that kind of urgency too. That every every second of uh, non dialogue could be filled with with something. Yeah, and it really depends. I mean, I was. I think Carrie and I were watching Jaws recently with description and occasionally it's some, some of the describers, you'll be like, did they just like take a break or go to the washroom or something? Cause <laughs> yeah. there'll be, you know, five minutes of intensity going on and you won't know what's happening. So like you said, something's happening then there's always something on. Yeah. The something's screen. going on. That's right. right. Yeah. And the nice thing is because description has been around long enough, description users have, ha- have had access to this content for long enough that there's now a critical understanding of good description and bad description. And this is the kind that I like, and I kind of prefer this style. And, you know, there are some people who want a, 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 a minimal approach and some people who want really rich, constant description. And that's fantastic that this is this industry, this art form, if mm-hmm. in my opinion, is, uh, is a valued and understood enough by the audience that we can have these conversations. 15 years ago, people were just like, oh, you're going to describe that for me? Fantastic. That's it. Then the conversation ended. Uh, And now it's richer and we can play and describers can collaborate and we can try new things and the audience will tell us what works and what doesn't. And we can incorporate that. And these conversations that are happening because description has been around for a while, because description users are now becoming content creators, 
because of all of that, it, it, it's just a different game. Description is in a far better place now than it has been ever in its history. That's so great. And I also think the the point that you bring up is really neat in the sense that everyone does have their own um what they prefer you know some people prefer more than others and that's the great thing now that it is becoming more popular that you can find multiple versions of the same movie with different describers and you know often we'll notice that we'll listen to the a, someone a british person describe it and then we'll be like oh let's check out the american version and see and sometimes one's better than the other and it you know it just depends totally i, I remember a years ago i was uh i had described a, a live action version of the wind in the willows and this was a bbc cbc uh pbs co-production and i described it and i you know I, I wrote it and i didn't narrate that one i sent it in the producers they gave it the okay and that was it and then a, a few months later i'm flicking channels and i i see wind in the willows on tv i'm like oh fantastic i you know turn on the description for a minute and listen and it's it's same, same, but different. The description is like, the, the, obviously that the, the pacing is the same, but the wording is different. I'm like, I've never used that phrase. And I thought, oh my God, I've been seriously edited. And I was, I was totally embarrassed that my writing had been taken apart and rewritten. I'm like, oh, this has never happened before. And I was having this, you know, this existential crisis. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute. Um, I'm watching PBS. This isn't this isn't CBC. Oh, this is the American version. That's I didn't write this. Someone else wrote this. This isn't my <laughs> script that's been heavily edited. This is someone else's script completely. And I thought, oh God, that's quite a relief that I wasn't uh, I wasn't my script wasn't butchered. It was Jeez, just rewritten yeah. by some, it was someone. It was written else. by someone else. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, we're speaking with Christine Malik and JJ Hunt from the podcast Talk Description to Me here today on Outlook. We're going to take a quick break for some promos and we will be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Outlook on Radio Western or by podcast. And we are speaking today with Christine Malik and JJ Hunt from Talk Description to Me, uh, an excellent podcast. And um, their theme is great. I want to ask them about that in a minute. But uh, on the theme for their show, they say, where the visuals of current events and the world around us get hashed out in description-rich conversations. And that's definitely, um, you can even tell by what we said, talked about so far with, with these two. That's, that's what you'll find if you listen in. You should definitely go check them out. Um, hi, guys. Thanks again for being here. Um, My pleasure. Uh, pleasure. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And, um, you know, we've talked a lot about description on this show. Um, as far as oh, movies yeah. and TV, it's a big thing. But this is a de definitely touching more so on culture and world events. And this kind of stuff is a, is a whole new area. So I just think this is uh, great. Thank you. But, but the theme song, who came up with that? And um, I, I think it's, I love it. It's fun. You know, it's it, you know, <laughs> got sound effects in there. The, it's like a crowd. Christine and got her bongo drums and she started bongoing. <laughs> No, no, no. Did a little horn <laughs> section. No, it's it's actually a embarrassed little eyes slide to the side. The music is um, just copyright free from YouTube, and uh, same with the sound effects. So it opens with some some sort of chipper, you know, uh, wistful kind of uh, music, and then the there's a sound montage which I uh, which I put together was sort of with an ear to the range of human experience and the natural world, and just trying to get all of those quick ideas into a very fast kind of snappy uh, montage of sound. Talk description to me with Christine Malik and JJ Hunt. 
Yeah, and you and laugh. Then, of course. You laugh. Yes, the laugh. Oh, See, that was my JJ, favorite. JJ, can you tell them about that, please? So the <laughs> laugh, we've been, you know, recording and, and, and testing things out and getting our, our kind of pilot episode uh, ready while Chris was putting together the sound, mon- sound montage. And so as I, I was you know, pulling clips from uh, uh, from some of our test sessions, I had a beautiful clip of Christine laughing. And so I said to her, please, like, can we put this into the sound montage? Because it's <laughs> such a lovely, warm laugh. It's I I really, and I took a bit of convincing, but we, we got it in there. I was not totally behind it because I, I listened to it and I thought, if I didn't know me, that could sound like um, um, grief-stricken weeping. <laughs> That's how I heard it, but everyone else seems to think that that's not no. the case. <laughs> and we've gotten se- we've gotten several People compliments. People have remarked on it, so I, I guess know. it was a good call. But I was a bit a bit I blushed. I'll, I'll admit. <laughs> It's nice. It's it, I love how theme music becomes, uh, you know, so linked to an experience. Uh, you know, I've got other podcasts that I work on, and before I start writing, I play my I play my own theme song so that oh. I get the sound in my head before I start writing. Motivation. And, uh, yeah, totally. It gets me. It gets me in the right headspace. And uh, when when I don't know if I've ever mentioned this, Christine, but when you and I are set to record, and I have an alarm set for that, my alarm to record with you is our theme song. What? So I, that no I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I no I should idea. just change it. Just make it your laugh. That would probably <laughs> be better. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, the funny thing about the theme music too, is that we chose it deliberately to be sort of upbeat, but then some of our episodes are the opposite oh. of upbeat. And so mm-hmm. we've discussed it. It's like, okay, breaking news episode, which are ones we do occasionally when when very traumatic things happen. And there's been two or three of those. And we both kind of felt we can't open a music, uh, an episode about the Beirut explosion with that chipper, upbeat music. And so we the theme music yeah. does limit you as well um, mm. in a certain sense. And so for some very serious episodes, we just uh, forego the theme music and jump right into the talking. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you do cover a lot of very serious uh, topics on on the show. Um, I uh, another light one though. First, uh, JJ is you uh, on one of your episodes. You made a, a reference to the Simpsons. You could you were describing Mike Pence, and you said he looks Mike Pence. You could set your watch by him, which yeah, is that's a, right. a Simpsons oh, quote. Grandpa Simpson. That's right. You could set your that that that's a haircut. You could set your watch to. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Uh, you know when I was you try and come up with ways to describe things that are, uh, you know, as we talked about in a, in a regular TV show or movie setting, you don't have a lot of time. You say he's got, you know, short white hair. That's it. That doesn't give you a lot of flavor. We had a bit of an opportunity to try something else and, uh, and to, and to expand on that a little bit. And, and that line from the Simpsons just kept playing in my head over and over. Well, really it's, he's got a haircut. You can set your watch. I should try something else. And I'd write a different description. I'm like, yeah, no, I really, he's got a haircut. You can set your watch to. And so finally I said it and I'm like, I don't know if Chris is going to leave this in the edit, but it's as accurate as I could come up with. It really was. I'm sure it spoke to people who are Simpsons fans. Yeah, well, I was going to say, anyone who knows me knows, and my family um, knows that um, I, my brother and my sister, we love to quote Simpsons. So anybody who's uh, not no, you know, part of the family might, if they're there all of a sudden, and we, we just throw out these quotes randomly and <laughs> laugh at, at ourselves. And our, Yeah, so it's fun. And it, it, 
yeah, it really um, stood out to me. So <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I'm glad that landed for you. No one has ever remarked on that. I love that. Cause when you first brought it up, I'm like, I don't know what she's talking about. Cause I'm not really a Simpsons fan. So I just, forgot uh, it. but I love how the podcast can include things that speak to different people in ways that you won't even know about. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, we, we get, I mean, I love getting the listener feedback and, and we, we're on social media. So we're, we're, you know, in conversation with people on Twitter and on Facebook and one of the things I love is that different things resonate with different people. And so there are a few episodes that we hear more about, uh, you know, th than others. But there are specific moments. Like I remember hearing from a woman who was not a sports fan, um, but she, uh, in one of our descriptions of sports in the COVID era, we mentioned that uh, uh, baseball managers wear their uniforms on the bench. And this this blew her mind. She's like, I had no idea that ba why are baseball managers wearing uniforms? Why aren't they wearing suits like they are in other sports? And that was something that resonated for her. Now, for other people, doesn't you know? It was a throwaway. That wasn't. That was hardly the the focus of that discussion. But for her, that's what resonated. And so that's what she wanted to talk about. And for someone else, it's something completely different. And that's awesome to have this kind of relationship, to have different people picking out different things that are important to them. It's fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, you know, blind people do miss a lot of things that, that just sighted people take for granted. You just visually know it. Like I remember, um, I was, I was wondering how you would describe Donald Trump. Cause I sometimes say, I'm kind of glad I can't see him. That's one of the things I'm glad I can't mm -hmm. see, but, um, uh, I've had enough people describe him, but you described this one motion he does with his hands or his arms that he, um, it's like an accordion and somebody took a, <laughs> took a video of it and, and altered it to put an accordion there and have the sound. And, and you, and you said somebody he's like tagging it life accordion to Trump, like stuff like that. I mean, I knew he gesture gesticulates a lot. And so I, I had heard that, but there are things that nobody ever thinks to tell me and I don't think to ask, or I don't even know are taking place. And so it's just great. The kind of things that come from what you tell us. There's jokes you don't even know you're missing. Right. Yeah. yeah, there's so many logos and now these days with memes and all this kind of stuff that Ugh. there is text to them, a lot of them. So you can read the text, but you don't really get the full effect often. And I thought you really touched on this well in the episode. I recently heard the one about symbols, signs and pictograms. I thought that one was great because, like you say, there are so many signs out there and so many things that are just cultural and everyone can relate to or universal even. But just so much out of a regular day that we as blind people just don't know about. Right. Yeah. You know, that signs episode, uh, we've gotten better uh, as we've gone on when we record now, if we're trying to hold an episode to 30 minutes, we might record 32, 33, and then Chris only has to chop off a bit. But that was one where we went on and on and on because there's the, the world of signs and pictograms. It just went there were so many different areas. We didn't even get to like airplane pictograms, like, you know, with the, the, the safety brochures, we had stuff on uh, roadways and different animal signs. Like there's so much, it's so rich. Um, you know, we could have gone in a dozen different directions, but you know, poor Christine already has to, uh, edit my babbling, uh, you know, that episode actually <laughs> did start out as airplane safety cards it did, and we didn't even get to, we it. didn't even get to it. Cause someone, a, a listener pointed out that she just learned that airplane safety cards have no words on them. They're all images. They're all pictures, which is a much more effective way for people to learn the quick things they need to know. But that was totally new to me. And so we said, Oh, we should do something about that. And yeah, we we're going to talk about signs and stuff too and that, that episode we never even got to the airport <laughs> yeah. yeah we do that we do it a lot yep 
Yeah, that's the beauty of hosting a show. You have so many yeah. topics, and then you get to maybe half of Follow them. Follow your instincts. Yeah, yeah exactly. Go with the flow. So, so um, what would you both answer to this question? What was maybe the hardest episode you've had to describe, JJ? And what was um, maybe the hardest one? The, the hardest one you found to um, listen to, like when you got all those extra details you you might not have already known, Christine. Uh, I guess we'll start with JJ. Uh, you know, there there are different things that are challenging there are different challenges with with different topics but i have to say trying to maintain a neutrality mm. um when you're yeah. talking about things that you have an opinion on uh and and on, on this show it's a little bit different than the kind of description if i was describing a movie or tv show or uh, you know art in a gallery i have to have a pretty strict uh, neutrality i have to be as neutral as possible it's not quite the case with this but there's, there's a different kind of journalistic uh, neutrality um, mm-hmm. that we're aiming for. We want to be, uh, you know, we're not journalists, but we're kind of, this is journalism light. You know, we're trying to touch on journalistic themes. And so it, it we can't go in there with all of our opinions front and center. So trying to describe Donald Trump, trying to describe um, these politicians that we have opinions about, um, that's really difficult. And the hardest one, I think, was trying to describe the Four Seasons landscaping press conference (laughs) that Mike Pence did, because it was such a fantastically, outrageously hilarious story but we just needed to describe the visuals and let listeners decide if it was as funny as we thought it was. This wasn't me telling that story to Chris in a bar. This was describing that for an audience. And that, so I found that to be really difficult. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow. That what was about the, you, Chris? So, sorry. I was just going to say that was the episode. The long, I, slow laugh. I've been meaning to listen to that one and I haven't yet. And it, again, it's one of those things that bringing this description into these stories helps so much because I heard that story on the news too. And I thought, you know, it was kind of funny, but missing out on the visual aspects of it, you do miss out on a lot of what the actual joke or why people are laughing at something. So I, listen yeah. right to the end past the, past the outtri- <laughs> outtake music, just, just a little pro, pro tip there. Um, the hardest episode for me was about the civil unrest in Portland this year. And it's not because those were the most tragic or dramatic events of the year. It had to do with the the side-by-side examples of brutality and courage. And so I've had months to think about this. And so you had people in riot gear who we don't really know who they were representing, but they were beating people up and doing terrible things that a government shouldn't be doing to its citizenry. And then you had the wall of moms, a a wall of women who are moms saying like, go home, don't be goons. We're, We're trying to make a better world. Or the wall of vets who once represented their country and now they feel ashamed of what their country is doing. Or the naked Athena who had a, a very, uh, unique way, a time honored historical way as well to show courage. And so for me, it's not always the event itself that I find hard to be immersed in. It's the, the heights and heights and 
depths of human behavior and seeing those so starkly together that made that a very hard episode for me to to stay neutral in while we were recording and then to spend hours immersed in uh, while editing that that was really difficult well said i'd say for me as a listener the episode that most uh, affected me was uh, the 9-11 one. And um, I could see more back then. So I have a vague memory of watching CNN or whatever. And I could see, I guess, the, the sky of New York. And, but, you know, the way you describe that, JJ, uh, falling out of the yeah. tower. Um, how was all that to describe? I could tell it was really hard on you. It it was it was that nine eleven episode was a it was a tricky one leading up to it. Um, you know, there are times when there are breaking news episodes. There are times when we're trying to follow what's going on day by day. But nine eleven that's in the calendar. We knew that was coming up, and so I'd been doing my research leading up to that uh, recording session. And Christine and I had talked about how we were going to handle it, and I had to go back and rewatch. Uh, video that I hadn't seen in a long time and then dig up stuff that I hadn't really wanted to delve into, you know, back in the day. And, and there were images, the falling man that you referenced is one of them that it's, I, I mean, it's, it's just horrible. It's horrible. And it's a strangely beautiful picture. And I kind of feel if I'm going to describe an image like that accurately, I have to engage with it at least a little bit. I can't be totally detached. If I'm too detached, I can't convey the emotion of the image or the emotion of the situation. But if I get mm -hmm. too involved, uh, I, I lose it altogether. And you know what I found was interesting in that episode is that I managed to get through most of the descriptions without my voice breaking being, you know, whatever, 15 or 20% emotionally engaged. And then the rest is backed away. And it wasn't until the very end when we kind of wanted to end on something of a hopeful note. And so uh, I mm -hmm. found a, a stop action video that the 9-11 museum, the Memorial Museum had on their website of this tree, the survivor tree, which is a tree that was in the wreckage, in the rubble of the 9-11, of the Twin Towers, and had been, had been rescued, taken away, nursed back to health, and then brought back onto the site um, after it, it was all cleaned up and was being turned into this memorial park. And describing the stop action video of this tree blooming, I, I had a really hard time holding it together in that moment. And that's, that tends to be, Christine and I have talked about this too. That tends to be my breaking point is talking about the beautiful things, talking about people who are lovely to each other, describing those moments. That's when I really snap. And, and so that episode was, was a challenge on so many different levels. Um, and, and I, I was, I was, grateful to have Christine as kind of helping me along uh, and, and giving me permission to 
describe emotionally and, uh, you know, and holding my hand through it, through, uh, you know, through the microphone, as it were. It was a, that was a really tough one. Yeah. I mean, I was in New York um, in 2005, I believe. And I remember our bus tour took us past the site, but it was still just a couple of years um, after, right? So I didn't yeah. get to visit um, the reflection pools like you described, but th- it all sounds very beautiful and peaceful. And I would like to see that someday. Yeah. 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 I've, I haven't been in Because, you know, that affected everybody, obviously, you know. was it? And again, it's one of those situations yeah. where not being able to see it, it's not that it still couldn't have a major effect on you hearing about it and everything, but it really does, in my opinion, change the the feeling a lot, obviously, to have that visual explanation and um, and having that that everyone else has just by looking and we wouldn't have had at the time, you know, 20 years ago That's already. Right. So That's right. And you can hear something like uh, the streets were covered in dust. And that can be a piece of information that you have in your head. Okay, the streets were covered in dust. But until you really get into those images and you talk about how thick that was, how oppressive that was, how the color changed, like it went to black and white. It was so much dust, how it covered every part of a person's body so that only the only when they opened their their mouth and you could see that just the little line on the inside of their lips, that was the only part of their body that wasn't coated until you get details like that the the city is covered in dust doesn't actually have the appropriate uh, impact i think and so we had the opportunity to uh, to add that to the conversation yeah i just i just thought that was beautiful even in its you know sadness um yeah but going going from past to, to, to present and the um most recent one well at this time of the 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 situation at the Capitol in Washington there, the way you described that, um, I just thought for blind people, you know, people sometimes say, well, you know, blind people, we don't see color and all that stuff. And it's not really what we like to think of it as, but if you can't see the images of those places, that, uh, that situation, the way Christine, you know, and you, you just come right on you and you talk about What's the, what does it look like? What kind of um, demographic is it? And you just were honest. You said, well, it's white people, mostly men, some women, but white. And that's just, you know, when you, when you can't see that part, um, I think it doesn't hit you the same way. You know, you don't realize. Yeah, I mean, as a blind person, most people you, you can hear about see that. You, you hear about all of this kind of stuff, but it's, I don't know if you guys found that or what you took from that. But I feel like um, the the friends or family in our lives who are the informal describers, uh, they they do lovely jobs and they have great intentions but they're not trained and so the the most excellent friend or family describer will often find themselves at a loss they'll they'll sort of give you the framework like yeah they broke into the Mm -hmm. building and then and then it's just it's it's chaos and they themselves are speechless and so jj has the combination of of great describing skills storytelling skills and he does his research so one one of the things that stuck out for me was i wanted to contrast the visuals of the police response um at the capitol versus some of the other protests we've covered and a friend might say 
Yeah, they weren't really wearing much. Their their helmets looked pretty weak. JJ could say at the Capitol building they were wearing bike helmets. At the at other protests for Black Lives Matter, they had full on riot helmets. And so there's this combination of specificity and research and putting things together that's it's it's really unique in in the description world. Yeah, and I thought even something as basic, and this is another yeah. cultural thing, is is the like you you asking at the beginning of that the Capitol episode, what does the Capitol building look like? What is the Capitol building? Whereas you know most people, like you you pointed out, have seen it in movies. Like most people would know what what it is right right away. But for someone like me too, I didn't. You know, I'd heard of it, but I've never really thought about what it actually is. So, and That's even right. apart so, from sorry, go ahead, Jay. No, go ahead, Chris. Even apart from what the building itself looks like i what i wanted to really focus on was the emotional impact be, from the sense of how common a site the capitol building is and so i guess partly where i was coming from is i have some american friends and that, so i have a certain sense of the emotional impact of what's happening there and i wanted to try to relate to that so in in that context what the building looks like is important information but where i kind of wanted to bring the focus in that episode was what's the impact and so jj said things like any show about u.s government always shows this building any show about federal justice you always see this building so what i w wanted to get at even more than a, a long description of the building itself is the cultural emotional impact and that's how you get it is by saying uh, asking a kind of subjective question like okay so how common is this building? How iconic is it? What what does it mean in 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 popular culture? And that's the kind of questions that we are able to ask and, and answer. Yeah. What about you, JJ? Uh, well, you know, w w when you're trying to describe something like uh, uh, like the Capitol building, in in on one hand, uh, sighted people are going to think, well, it's it's everywhere. It's so ubiquitous um, that a lot of news agencies are—they're are, not going to bother <laughs> to describe it because everyone knows, right? Everyone already knows what that mm -hmm. looks like. So to uh, to start the episode, and again, that's it. That's a great example of, uh, of of why our conversation is so important because Christine's going to bring that. Christine's going to remind me. She's going to ask those questions. So this isn't our descriptions are not coming from the point of view of a describer. This is this is being requested by someone who doesn't already interpret the world visually and so that's going to steer our conversation and uh and 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 make the show so much better than it would be if it was just a, a bunch of sighted people sitting around saying you know what i think we should describe it's totally different yeah one episode that i wanted to quickly touch on was your episode about the northern lights and i actually went to uh, iceland a few years ago with a friend and i don't oh, even wow. think we made it to the to check out the northern lights and it's an interesting thing because you know, Iceland is obviously a big tourist attraction. There's geysers and um, so many, you know, waterfalls that you can get a lot from it not being able to see. You can feel it. You can hear it. You can he feel the mist. Um, but it's just one of those situations. And the Northern Lights specifically, I kind of had no idea. And I think you described um, them to be softer and gauzy, not sharp like fireworks is one of the descriptions I found. And I thought that was really interesting just to give a... Yeah. It kind of made me out as though I felt like I was actually feeling the, the Northern Lights. Like it was, it was an interesting episode. 
Yeah, the, the northern lights are fascinating because it's there are so many different kinds of lights. There, there, there isn't just one kind. There are different colors. There are different textures. There are different feelings. It, you know, the lights can be in different parts of the sky, so they can they can feel low and and like you can almost reach out. And, and sometimes they're so clear, you can reach out and touch them. It feels like. And we talked about this a little bit and compared it to the moon because the moon is similar. When it's really crisp, it feels close and real and tangible. And then sometimes when it's, like you say, gauzy and misty and it's ethereal, it's, it's a completely different quality. And so, you know, again, Chris is a, a big fan of such things. We were able to, to kind of go back and forth on that and talk about, uh, about the feeling of being, uh, you know, in the presence of the Northern Lights. Yeah, and I love it that at one point you, I think you said it's like a night nighttime rainbow. Yeah, yeah, thought, it can be. It I've can never, be for sure. I've never, I've never seen rainbow. That's one stars and in ra- a rainbow is a thing that I've never been able to see as much as I, uh, I used to have some sight. So we're all, you know, all never three of us who are blind on this um, show, none of us have really seen them. It's a great to- future topic. We've been t- speaking with Christine Malik and JJ Hunt from Talk Description to Me, which you can find at talkdescriptiontome.com or on all podcast services. Sorry, we have to wrap things up here now pretty much. We're running out of time. It's been such an interesting uh, interview. It's went, if anyone has any final thoughts or things they'd like to quickly sum up before we uh, sign off. Oh, just oh, thank been you for the opportunity. Pleasure. It's been great. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, I'm- you guys are fun, you know, serious topics, lighthearted topics, whatever you cover, but you guys, you're fun, fun team. So thank Yay, you. Hey, you too. Cheers. Thank you. Find us on Twitter at Outlook CFB and on Facebook, facebook.com slash Outlook on Radio Western.